wanted to chat to you this morning. I was actually up to speak last week. Uh, originally, Rick and I were, I was going to speak the beginning of the month, and the Lord just really, I felt like just spoke to me and said, you know, Rick needs to speak on the second. And so we, we made an adjustment. And it's interesting, I'm not very good at holding on to a word either. Like, I mean, I will take that word that, that the Lord was working on in me that I was going to share with you, and it'll just process in my heart and in my spirit. And a lot of times, by the next time I share, I have words that, that just went through a tremendous season of germination and preparation, and I've yet to share them I, I, because I wasn't up to speak or something. And then I'm, I'm, uh, I'm much more inclined, and I know that probably that's a place that I need to grow, honestly but I'm much more inclined to share what was most recently in my journal. And, um, but as I was working on this word, and that's really poor phraseology too, because you don't work on word, word works on you. But as this word was working on me and working in me about vision for 2011, and, and I will admit as someone who has essentially a sanguine personality that New Year's and new beginnings are a big deal to me, you know, I mean... Uh, I, this week I was doing, uh, I was involved in several different uh kind of um, context where I would be sitting down and working on something, but I kept getting up, and I, I thought, man, I'm making myself like I was at our uh, the district office for the Assemblies of God in Gent, West Virginia, and some my Isaac and Jacob and some of their friends went, they, they went to the ski slope, but they only went tubing, so don't, yeah, don't mention that to them. Haley was with, and they were like, okay, we're going tubing. This sounds really masculine, but I think they had fun for a little bit. <laughs> they said, next time, Dad, we're going snowboarding, but um, I was doing some work there. I, I, I work on some missions projects for uh, for that regional office, and I was working on some stuff, and I kept getting up to go ask questions, and I started really feeling like I was I had an attention, attention deficit issue or something. I was like, <laughs> and, and one of the things that the Lord has really been ministering to me is just this concept of a vision. I think one of the things that I appreciate the new year, where I was going with that, James, was that it gives me another opportunity to, to sort of re-focus. Uh, you know, it's not that it's all new. It's not that every six months I get a whole new life plan. It's that it gives me another opportunity to sort of step back with the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, help me see if, if I'm being faithful to those things that you called me to. If I'm faithfully being who you've made me to be, you know. And, and it gives us an opportunity. And I don't think, for me also, I think one of the reasons that I've said for a long time, it would be hard for me not to minister in, in, a, in a, at least a university context context in the sense that I love the restarts. You know, you, you, you go off semesters, or we used to be in a city where we went off quarters, and you would, you, it's not like you started over, but you had an opportunity to go, okay, let's make sure we're on point with what we were doing. And I want to say to you this morning, church, that, that there is a lot that the Word has to say about vision and about personal growth and the God life. That, that God's, he's, this is an understatement, but that God is very strategic about how he walks this out with us, that we are on the grow. We are in process. We know that there's a time and a procedure for all things. And, and just to understand that God's heart is a heart of, of patience, and it's a heart of compassion, and it's a heart of progression, that God wants us to grow. I, I sometimes <laughs> use this for a long time. My dad, uh, who's with Jesus used to, he, he really wasn't one who sang. My whole family sang, but my dad didn't really sing. But there was one song that, well, okay, there was two, two songs that he would sing sometimes when we were driving down the road. And, and you got to get this picture. When we were driving down the road, it was usually, because if dad was driving, it was the pickup truck. And so we were, we were the uh, original redneck family, okay? 
or, or at least cut in that same mold because here's mom and dad sitting on the bench seat with five kids in a pickup truck. So somebody was probably standing up where there wasn't room. That was me. Okay. And, my, and going down the road with the window down, and, and my dad would sing uh, that song, You Get a Line and I'll Get a Pole. Right? There's a little, we'll go down to the crawdad hole, honey. <laughs> but his other song, yeah, I'm trying to be comfortable, Sasha, with my redneck roots, right? But another song that he would sing was, um, it was called Little Jim Fiddler. And the song went like this, Little Jim Fiddley had a pig. What? Yeah, isn't that a weird place for a rhetorical what? That's true. Little Jim Fiddley had a pig. What? Yeah. I was hoping you would enjoy that. I mean, I'm putting it out here. This is almost as bad as wearing the sweater. Not as bad, but it's close. Little Jim Fiddley had a pig. What? Little Jim Fiddley had a pig. Grew so little it never got big. Uh-huh. That was the whole song. That was it. Or at least that's all my dad ever said. But, but what a sad commentary on a pig who spent such a small amount of time growing that it never got big. And so, and my, my mom would say, you don't want to be little Jim Fiddley's pig. <laughs> Pardon me. But from a spiritual standpoint, it's important that we, how to say, prioritize our personal growth in the times that we have with our Father. All jokes aside, that there's this thing that God wants to do in us, and I'm thankful for these opportunities. Now, of course, when the new year rolls around, our uh, inclination is to, you know, renew our resolve. And in fact, sometimes we'll make resolutions. We'll be and and listen. Let me say this as someone who is uh, firmly entrenched in grace. It's not a bad thing to be resolute. That's not a bad thing. What, though, we need to know is that the uh, gift of resolution comes from the grace of God. We can't conjure it up. Now, there are certainly people who don't walk with God who are very disciplined. They might, they might climb K-5 or they might, they might uh, succeed in running and winning marathons or triathlons. And, and it takes a level of discipline and, and they're very resolute about the things that they do and the discipline of the body. But I'm going to say to you that it, and that certainly has, by the way, a, a spiritual um, significance. But as it relates to spiritual matters and God growth, we depend on grace to help us, as the Apostle Paul spoke about and, and, and Rick mentioned last week in his word about preparation. This is a year of preparation, Rick said. And in this year of preparation... We know and understand, as he read from 1 Corinthians 9, 26, that in a race, all the runners run, but not everyone wins the prize. Now, and this isn't a competition, me against you, but the prize of the reward is right and deep relationship with Jesus Christ. And not everyone gets to that place because, and Paul said, so why don't we run, what? In such a way. So there's a place for discipline and resolution, but in the... In the God life, we know and understand that that comes from grace. It's not something that we can do on our own. There's the balance. And in fact, I wrote, I guess it was last week, just as we were coming into the new year, I wrote on my Facebook, um, I resolved this year to trust in grace. <laughs> so I figured there was grace for that. <laughs> Amen. But I want to... 
I wanted to share this morning about personal vision for growth in the God life. And I want to read from Philippians chapter 3. I've said to you before that if I were stranded on an island, I don't know why we think these thoughts, but I do. I'm, I'm a weirdy, okay? I wake up sometimes from these dreams, and I'm like, if you were stranded on a desert island, what food would you take? You know, if you could only have one food? Chocolate, pizza, coffee. Coffee's not a food, but I think you... What did you say? Utila? Oh, I'm sure it's nice. I would take a potato, because that's my third favorite meat. But um, at this point, I'm not eating simple carbohydrates, so I'd have to take a sweet potato. But, um, but the question would be, what, what book of the Bible? And I know that's hard, hey? You know, there are people that have walked deeply with God who had pieces of passages that were passed in the underground church, which is amazing to me, because the Word became flesh. So you can't, you can't take it away, right? But, but I tell you, the, I would take a gospel, and I think for me, I, I would probably take the gospel of John, only because I've had a lot of opportunity to run through Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then I, I believe I would take the book of Philippians. What a powerful, powerful word for the church of today, the believer of today. And Paul wrote, it's all good, though. I mean, that's, a, that's an impossible question. I understand that. Whatever God gave me, I guess. I think I would try to hide it all right here. Hey? But the word of God says in, in Philippians, I'm going to start in verse 12, and we're going to bounce all around this chapter this morning. But Paul wrote this. He said, not that I have already obtained all of this. Okay, okay. So I can't start there, can I? I have to back up. You remember, though, the rest of this passage. Paul begins in, in Philippians chapter 3, and he, he is sharing with the Philippians about his, his certain situation, and he even goes to say that, hey, I, uh, if anybody had a reason to put confidence in the flesh, it was me, and he gave them a list of the reasons why and the things that he had done. But then he went on to say, even as it related to persecuting the church, he was head of his class, and, and, but he mentioned things that he, he could be, I guess, on some level proud of and things that he was ashamed of, but at the end of it, he says this. He says, not that when he spoke of what uh, he hoped to be, and I'll come to that in a minute, but then he said, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. Okay, so we know this, that, that it's okay to set God goal. Paul had a God goal, and he says, but I press on to take hold of that. I think this is one of the most amazing statements in the entire book of the Bible. Right here. I love this, this verse. He says, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Wow. But I'm, I'm not going to stop there right now. Brothers and sisters, he said, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. And here's our text for, the, for today. But one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let me pray. God, I just, I do, Lord, want to ask you this morning to keep me on point and, Lord, to help our hearts to be able to uh, see what you're saying in this word uh, that you gave the Apostle Paul so many years ago, but has complete and perfect relevance for us even at this moment. Um, speak to hearts, God, and do what you want to do, please, Jesus. Um, yeah, let this be about you. In Jesus' name, amen. So living the truth of Philippians 3.13, uh, part B. Paul really narrowed it down in an amazing way. He said, and I want us just to focus on this passage. He said, one thing I do. And, and the, the reality is, if uh, we're going to live the truth of Philippians chapter 3, 
then there are a few matters um, that will matter. It is first and foremost, I think in this passage, we would say that it is a matter of focus. I've already batted around this a bit this morning. But if we would live the truth of Philippians 3.13, if, if the, we would do the one thing that mattered most, then it would be necessary for us to be able to focus. Some of us, I mean, that's already hard, right? I mean, it's hard to sit in this. Listen, I, I'm, I don't sit and listen to preaching that much. I don't know how you do it all the time. I mean, I, I'll be honest. Now, last week I was wide awake because Rick had me and the Holy Spirit had me completely engaged. But, but even just when you come into the sanctuary, when you, when you step into this, this uh, living room at the dwelling place, just to be able to focus on what God's saying and try to process that and apply that, there's this necessary focus. And then certainly throughout the course of our days to try to stay on point with what matters most. There's a lot of stuff that's going on in our lives. Uh, the, the word focus simply means the, the concentration of attention or energy on something. Now, now that I, I especially wanted to read that definition because it kind of, I know we use the word focus a lot. It's uh, focus, Daniel son. I mean, we're, we're familiar with the concept of the, the need for focus. And, and sometimes I know that if someone were to evaluate my daily activity, they would say, if we could just get him to focus. I mean, he's like broad ray instead of laser, you know what I'm saying? And if we could just get him to focus, and, and they would sometimes be right and sometimes not, but, but it's necessary that we have a concentration of attention or energy on something, or rather we would say on someone, right? I mean, ultimately, our focus needs to be on him, and, and really on who we are in him. Listen, Paul, who wrote this, one, he said this. He said, one thing I do. Now think about Paul's life for a minute, would you? Consider this, because our tendency might be to say, well, boy, you know, life has changed a lot since Paul was here. Yes, it has. It's easier to do a lot of stuff. He had, it, it took much greater effort for him to do the things that he did than it would take for us now to do those same things. Because think about Paul. Paul was a man who um, was planting churches, and in doing so, he was traveling all over the known world. Catch the memo. Thank God for the Roman road, right? But Paul, that Paul was traveling in a way that people previously probably hadn't traveled, and he was consistently in and out and trying to maintain relationships, and he was writing letters, and he was serving, and he was surviving, you know, because he was under significant persecution. I mean, it's a busy deal to be consistently in and out of jail, I would think, and to be on the run and in front of the crowd and the crew and, and dealing with controversy. Man, the dude didn't have a uh, conflict-free life, you know what I'm saying? He wasn't just chilling on the prairie there. I mean, he was constantly dealing with all these issues that... I mean, and he had, to, he had to hear God and write even the resolution to a lot of the issues that, that he dealt with. He was, I'm trying to say to you that he was a busy dude. But in spite of the fact that Paul was engaged in multiple activities, he was able to say, one thing I do. I mean, it was, it was as if he had an ability to focus on the driving force behind all, or behind all his activities. It was, it was this place where he was able he was able to focus. And, of course, one thing we certainly don't lack uh, for in our world and in our lives is a distraction, right? I mean, 
if, if I ask you in what context uh, distraction seems to be the most relevant right now, what, what might you say? I mean, think, think about that for a second. If you, if you were, what, what are some of the dangerous distractions that we're a part of? Well, and I tell you, I got some, I got some areas to work just in a practical and pragmatic way. And Karen slipped into the back and she would say that this is so, but this is dangerous for me. True story. I felt very convicted even just last night. Now, I made a deal with Isaac and Jacob that I won't text and drive because I don't want them to text and drive. They say that if you text and drive, that your alertness is equivalent to someone who has a 0.8 blood alcohol level, which is legally drunk everywhere. I mean, that is 0.8. But, but, you know, sometimes my ding, ding, and I'll look at the text message. I don't, wow, that's creepy. It's got a text message while it was in my hand. How weird is that? Oh, put that down. I'm not reading you. You know, and there's that, even even, even when we're, now, you know, you, you and the Lord sorted this out, but even when we're just on the phone, which I am frequently driving and talking on the phone, but the ability to concentrate, they, they talk about, the, you may be looking at, the, you might even be hands-free. We have, we have the ability to be hands-free in our car, and I can be hands-free, but my brain is almost picturing the, discussion that I'm having with someone and it's just there's a limited uh, concentration resource at least in my head and and I think on a general level I'm probably a reasonably good multitasker some of us man we're on point with what we're doing and we kind of block the rest of the world out but I'm going to say to you that I'm I'm at a place where I'm deciding that my ability to multitask isn't always a blessing Uh, now, now apply this practically because there are places where that's a good thing, okay? But hear what I'm saying in a spiritual sense. We need to focus. Here, here's kind of how this sometimes also manifests itself even when we hit these New Year's things because we will be like, okay, let me make my priorities and we'll start trying to sort that out. And, and so we'll make, and God will end up somewhere, Charles, on our priority list when in reality God is our only priority and then everything else subcategories after God. Now, if, we, if God really is our focus, then God will order our lives, right? The steps of a righteous man are, last week, I tell you, right in the middle of that word Rick shared about preparation, when he was talking about ordering, whew, dude, it was, it was heavy up here on the front row, man. I was under strong <laughs> conviction about ordering. Just order some things the Holy Spirit was saying to me. And live in peace. Listen and live. I mean, I was getting all kinds of cool words from God last week about just something as simple as ordering. Point of focus, overcoming distractions. The uh, they just I just noticed recently that the um, Department of Transportation released the top ten uh, issues of distracted driving. Again, back just to that. But what about distracted? Help me now. Because we're on a journey, right? Spiritual metaphor, we're on a journey too. What about distracted living? And what if just this year, what if even just this month, we just said, you know what, I'm, I'm, Lord, I'm really going to turn myself to a place of focus on who you are and what matters to you. Sometimes even we can be our biggest distraction. Uh-oh, now I'm about to get preaching a little bit. Because sometimes we are so self-absorbed, Right? that even our God walk is all about us. It's God fix me, God 
and, and you know what? In that way, we never, we never get fixed. It's about, it, it is about the focus being on Him and not on me. And in fact, His focus is on me. Right? And, and then when His eyes are on me, and I know that because my eyes are on Him, I am whole. There's this place of relationship, but you know, too, too much introspection makes me, makes me sick. Eyes off me, eyes on Him. My grandma used to say that. Eyes off me, eyes on Him. No pity parties, right? No uh, self-condemnation sessions. Ooh, I can be pretty self-absorbed right after Sunday morning service. Hush, don't get up. Duh. It's, it's not, I'm telling you, it's about this far. Here's about how far I have to travel. I mean, it's a short distance. And just to say, God, you know what? This isn't about me. But this is about you. And in that, I become a more God-consecrated me than I could ever be when I focus on me. Well, there's an irony, isn't it? Paul said it this way, Philippians 3.3. 3. In the introduction of this, this passage, he said he was talking about his relationship to the church at Philippi, and he was talking about the different discussions they were having about who they should follow, and he just said this. He said, We who serve God by His Spirit, who boast only in Christ, put no confidence in the flesh. The realization that this isn't about me doesn't make me less likely to be. It makes me more likely to be whole. Paul's focus was on God and on the purpose that God revealed in himself for Paul. He said that. Philippians 3, 7, check this out, and I'll move to the next point. Paul said this, though, and, and please, work with me here. I'm asking myself the same question. This is what the Holy Spirit's been doing. Where's your focus? Okay. For me, is it in the in the multitasks that I do? Is it in the uh, multiple hats that I wear? Or is my focus on who He is and who I am in Him? And then the rest just flows out of that. Paul said this, but whatever were gains to me, I considered lost for the sake of Christ. You know this passage. Powerful too, hey? Because Paul really had laid a lot down. You've heard me say before, it's one thing to say I, I counted everything as lost when you didn't really lose anything. But from an earthly perspective, Paul, Paul wasn't just talking spiritual smack here. This wasn't, this, he wasn't talking junk. He said, look, I was this guy. I was in this line. I had this sort of affirmation in the spiritual realm in, uh, of man. I guess I should qualify that. But he said this, he said, but I count all that as loss to me. I now consider all that loss for the sake of Christ. What is more? This was a statement I was trying to get to. I consider everything lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. There's that purpose. And then he said, for whose sake, in fact, I did suffer the loss of all things. Now, even after he lost them, he didn't lose them. He didn't lay that down and then say, God, how could you do this? How could, how could I lose all this? I mean, I put it out there for you, God, and now nobody likes me. And, and I, I have no chance. I was going to change the system from the inside out, and, and, and none of that was a part of the discussion. He just did what God said to do, and then there was no... I counted it as lost. I said, Lord, if it costs me this, then it'll just have to cost me that. And guess what? It cost him that. And then after it cost him that, he still said it was garbage anyway. I've been at that place on a different level, much less significant level, but some having the opportunity to have come from the background that I come from and 
and some of the relationships that I've walked in and then to step into the dwelling place and, and to want to work and operate and function in this body in this way, I thought, well, that probably means that I'll no longer carry my credentialing papers with the denomination of my past and those kinds of things. And I said, God, you know what? That's okay. If that's what that cost me, then that's okay. I, I don't, that's, that's not what I'm in this for. And, and for Paul, though, you know, I've got to be honest. I mean, for me, there's been some bizarre sort of renewed favor, and I don't even understand it at this point. But I know any day that that could change, and I'm, I think I'm okay with that. Maybe one day we'll see. I hope not. But for Paul, that happened. They didn't only just kind of boot him out. They tried to kill him. He was on the lead list of those that once were persecutors, now persecuted. And he said, I counted it as garbage, that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Here he's still recounting the purpose. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Verse 10, I want to know Christ. That was his purpose. I want to know Christ. Yes, and in knowing him, he recognized the fullness of that was to know the power of his resurrection, which meant participating in suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection. See, that dude was, he was for real focused. That I might attain the resurrection from the dead. And we were singing a minute ago about how he's compassionate. He's passionate about me and I'm passionate about him. I believe that that was so in the writer of this passage. Focus. Number two, though, we're just working on one thing I do. In this one thing, understand this number two, I would say that it's a matter of direction. It's a matter of focus to live out the truth of Philippians 3. It's also a matter of direction. Because catch this, Paul's one thing had two parts. He said his one thing was forgetting what lies behind, right, and isn't that the sticking point for many of us? I mean, as far as it relates to vision and growth and the, and the God uh, journey, for many of us, the sticking point, the thing that keeps us from progression, remember that's what we were talking about, that God does have vision for us, and it's a vision of a, a closer and, and more whole and healthy relationship with Him and an embracing of His purpose in this life as sons and daughters as children of God, as joint heirs with Jesus. And in that place, though, there are, if we don't have focus, you know what I'm saying. I mean, we, we'll be like a water bug, and, and several years from now, we'll still be in the same frustrated place. I mean, and, and we're heaven-bound, sure. I mean, assume, assuming that you have a, a redemptive relationship with Jesus, that it doesn't mean that you're, this isn't a condition for salvation. But I'm saying to you that I want to, one thing, a point of focus to look back at the end of life and say, well, God, you know, that was a journey with you, and I'm not going to have regret. But then there's this other issue of direction. Paul said, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. For some of us, even this day, I mean, we if we were, if we were in a point of counsel or uh, discussion, we would say, yeah, you know, the past is the past for me, and I'm not worried about that anymore. But the reality is in those quiet moments of contemplation when we're trying to be with God and talk with God or when there's, there's, a, there's this dream that God's birthed in us, can I say to you that I am absolutely convinced that if we in the body lived out the dreams that God dreamed for us, the devil wouldn't have a chance. God's birthed dreams in all of us. past failures, the connection to our sin, 
right? From which we have been separated, by the way. But that place where that's still, it, it not only haunts us, but it holds us at times and it owns us. And we can only get so far from it. I mean, we'll get going, we'll gain some spiritual momentum. Maybe we've had some good times of counsel and, and we've, we've understood some truth and, and we're beginning to walk in freedom and then there's that whoa, tether like a dog on a chain. Because we are still strapped to our past. Well, the reality is that God is good. You know, we'll say things like that. We'll throw a conjunction out of our own and we'll say, but God is good. But whew, I wish I had never done that. If you're st- Listen, it, of course, on some ethereal level, we would say those things that we did that were mistakes, we, we wish that those hadn't happened. But there is a place where that statement even has to stop because we have to believe in the strength of the redemptive power of God because regret, it, it kills hope. Right? And resolve because it undercuts grace. Every time we go back to a place of regret, we're diminishing the power of grace. We're essentially saying to the enemy, Yeah, grace was great, but it still hasn't really set me free. And we're saying to God, Thank you for saving me, but I'm still carrying this knot in my spiritual gut because of guilt. Paul said, Forgetting. You say, well, Ron, can you really not know that it ever happened? Listen, forgetting in this context means not to live in condemnation or regret over failures that have already been forgiven by God. Hmm. Anybody in the room struggling with that? I mean, is there that place where we're still struggling with uh, putting condemnation on ourselves or... or Um, regret over failures that have already been forgiven by God. What did he say as far as the east is from the west? Oh, no, that's a long ways. That's a very long way. For some of you, you're thinking, well, that must not be me because, you know, uh, I don't don't sit around thinking about the sins that I, you know, the things that I did 10 years ago or the things that God saved me out of. You know, that's not me. But maybe it's that every time, every time right now that there's, there's a, a failure. There's somewhere place where you come up short. You instantaneously condemn yourself. That's the same kind of connection to the past. It's this place where we say, well, I shouldn't have... I mean, there, there are some of you that the um, amount of grace that you're willing to show to yourself is essentially non-existent. You have no margin for error. You've already used up all the grace God could give. Now, everyone in here knows that that's a ridiculous statement but some of us live under that load. I'm telling you, when you can fall down and get up, all right then, now you're forgetting what lies behind. I know there's a place of forgiving others too, by the way. I think that that's a bit of a different teaching, but certainly fits in this frame. But today I'm really talking about in this place of personal growth, even the place where we forgive ourselves where we make room in God's grace for us. Well, let's just see what God said. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the Apostle Paul wrote this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, hello. It's not refurb, baby. Listen, I love to go to the refurb portion of the Apple website. I I haven't bought anything there, but I'd love to look, man. I'm like, you can really get that for that price? Haley asked me this week, man, she was looking for a new phone, and, and they were selling, uh, man, they had like an iPhone 4, 
for I, I wish I had known there was there were no refurbs when I got mine. And she said, Do you think that's what does refurb mean? I said, It means buy it. That was, refurb means buy that thing and get the insurance. That's what that means to me. But we're not even talking refurb, people. We're talking brand new. Wrap your heart around that for a second. And say, wow. Jesus, Paul said, for in Christ we are a new creation. The old has passed away and all things are made new. Today. Today. Yesterday stuff. This morning stuff. Put it under the blood. New. First John 1 9. If we confess our sins, that's pretty simple. That's that. If we confess our sins, that's the big little word in this uh, sentence. He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isaiah 43 25. Again, one of my favorite Old Testament passages where the Lord spoke to the prophet and said, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins against you anymore. Bam. Direction. Paul's one thing, though, had two parts. The first one was getting past the past, forgetting what lies behind. And let me say this before I move on, that the past isn't always something negative that happened in our lives, Brandon. Sometimes the the past we can't get past is, wow, the good old days. You know what I'm saying? We go Archie Bunker on it. Those were the days. You know, and and I mean, we had some place, I mean, you know, and the way that this tends to manifest itself in the body is we get hung on a song. You know what I'm saying? Like we're singing that song for the next 40 years because that was a song when I came to Jesus, you know. And and listen, I I love the hymns and whatnot. This ain't me dissing on the hymns. Those are sweet music. And, And we can do the same thing. We get our own spiritual mantras right around here, right? And we're just like, well, that's, if you don't do that, then the Lord won't show up. And it, sometimes it's in those pragmatic sort of tangible ways that we cling to a moment when the Lord showed up, and the Lord's not limited to that. And, and the, my favorite place to illustrate this truth is where the Word speaks to us in Joshua. I believe it's chapter 4. Yeah, it's chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4, and, and the children of Israel had just crossed the Jordan. I mean, they didn't spend 40 years wandering in the wilderness. This has been a pretty tough season. And they didn't get across the last time that they were here. And this time they get across. And you know, the, the Levites carry the Ark of the Covenant to the middle of the river and they stand there. It's a different sort of scenario. And all the people walk by. And then when they get to the other side, the word of the Lord comes to Joshua and he speaks it back to one man from each of the 12 tribes. And he says, go now back into the river and take a stone from under the foot where the priests are standing holding the Ark and bring it over here and build an altar lest we be inclined to just live here because this was the place that God showed up. Now he said, bring your kids back to this as a point of remembrance. Bring them back here. They built an altar. And church, for some of us, the hard part about this direction that the Apostle Paul spoke about is, is worth, we just wish it could go back to the way that it was. That happens here. It happens right here in the dwelling place. I have people. I have had people say to me, I love what God's doing, but I liked it so much better when we when we were a church of 60 or 100. We're such a close family. We can be close now. God's doing a new thing. Get involved in life group ministry. We need more leaders. I just sort of threw that in randomly, but it's true. 
Oh, we'll, we'll have a way that we liked it. And we'll be just stuck right there. And the Lord's like, come on. You haven't seen the best of me yet. You haven't seen the best of who I am. One thing that is constant, right? Come on, help me. Is change. You're not stopping this train, sweetie. Change is always coming. Now we can embrace it or we can resist it. But it'll come either way. But the place of grace says, God, what have you got next for me? How does this work for me? And the Apostle Paul spoke to that when he said this in part two of uh, one thing. Because the second part of this is the direction is reaching forward. And literally he said straining forward. Listen, this was something that, that Paul, the, the verbiage that Paul uses here is that there was significant effort in moving forward. Listen, I'm, I mean, it might be on some level easier, at least it feels easier just to say, y'all go ahead. <laughs> As I'm good, though. I liked it right here all along, you know. And I ain't trying to hate anybody because we are the church. Listen, I invested in the church. Not, not just this church. If the Lord puts me somewhere else, then I'll be somewhere else. You hear what I'm saying? I love you guys. We'll be here as long as this is the place God says for us to be. But I love the church because it's His church. And I've spoken in literally hundreds of churches. And I'm saying to you that there are places where the people have just sat down. We like it here. But Paul said, you know, it takes a little effort. you got to strain forward. Listen, Karen and I are heading quickly toward the empty nest syndrome. You know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, Ingrid and Tom have two weddings this summer, okay? I mean, life is changing now. You can just be upset by sending it to Casa. Why do we have such a big house, you know? Or you can say, wow. Listen, and what I've heard is that when you break their plates, it multiplies, you know, and they come back with more. So it's, it, folks like you will have plenty of opportunity to be with your kids. But it's changed. Paul said, we're straining forward. We're pushing onward to the thing that God's got for us. And church, I'm saying to you, one thing I can tell you about God's direction it is, it, is, is it is always forward. Always forward. Somebody said, well, but yeah, I realized though that I had, I had done something and I needed to make retribution and repentance and so I had to go back. Listen, in that sense, backwards is forward. God, is, it's progression. It's forward. It's the pathway to advancement. Repentance is advancement in God's kingdom. You hear what I'm saying? You're never going backwards. I don't buy that. Never going backwards. You may be 60 years old and the Lord says, hey, get this degree. Go back to school. Going back in that sense is one huge leap forward. Do you hear what I'm saying? And it'll take some doing too. But I'm not settling and I'm not sitting. Now, I want you to get off the roof, right? I'd like for Pat not to have to be on the roof every day. They have an amazing company, but he still finds himself a young man. <laughs> doing a younger man's job, right? But one thing I'm sure about Pat Johnson that he he's going to live till he dies. You're not going to retire anyway. You might stop getting paid for what you do, but you're not going to retire. Straining toward what lies ahead, man. Forward. I don't have a set-down strategy. And I don't want one. I should move on. This moving forward, though, stuff, is it stretches. 
Think about, think about some of your getting stretched stories. I won't take time to tell mine, at least not in this first service, but think about some of your getting stretched stories. Those times when, when you had an option, sit down or come on and go with God, and you were stretched. You're like, Lord, is this for real, for real? Because this is really, you know what I'm saying. I mean, I feel like a rubber band right now. And am I going to break? Straining was one of the words he used. And just think about those getting stretched stories. But know this, that those were the times when you grew the most. Who can say amen for me right quick? Yeah. Come on, those were the times when you grew the most. Those were the times when you saw him the most faithful. Those were the times when you learned the most about his heart for you. When you were in the crucible when you were walking through difficult circumstance because of obedience and God showed up and did only what God can do. We should just have a round, a round table for them and just tell these stories because they would be amazing. Maybe we'll do that later this year. We'll, just have, we'll, we'll do video about stories about being stretched and testimonies of God's faithfulness even in those seasons. And again, I'm picking on you because you just got back in town, but to be in apart from each other for this season. I'm sure that was a big stretch. And yet, there was grace for that. And I'm also sure that you grew. I'm quite confident that the Burbies, who were already amazing, are not the same as they were when Tom followed God in obedience and Ingrid followed God in obedience. And they did what God said do for that season. And I'm sure you were stretched. And I'm sure it was challenging. And I'm sure there was grace for that. And then, thirdly, I'll say this, that living out the truth of Philippians 3.13, to live a life of focus. One thing I do means to live a life of action. It is, a, it is a point of action. And I've kind of already said this, but I felt a sense of spiritual obligation to, to sort this point out to itself. And I won't spend much time here, but I'll say this, that what I'm not talking about is just activity. I'm not just talking about activity. I'm not asking you to get busy. That's not what I'm saying this morning. I'm not saying to you, focus on Jesus and what God's got for you, and you get busy doing that, and you get your direction and you go, and maybe I am saying that, but I'm saying that that's not a call to activity, but it is a call to action. And in fact, we were just talking about direction. Direction minus God action is only activity. Or rather, I probably should say action minus direction is only activity. Directionless. We just do a lot of stuff. Good gracious, I'm good at that. I can do a lot of stuff and not do any good. I'm fully capable of that. And in fact, I have a little bit of a, a stronghold with one term that some people use here. I, I struggle not to take offense because people will say, hey, I'd love to get with you sometime, but I know you're really busy. Ooh, I hate that word. Because there's some truth in it. Sometimes I'm just busy. And I'll say to them, I'm not that busy. I'm not as busy as you think. And I'll tell you part of what makes that statement true for me is that I can stop what I'm doing and sit and have a cup of coffee with you because relationships are the highest priority and everything we do that matters flows out of relationship anyway. I would say to you that this new year, 2011, that we should all have a renewed vision and resolve for closeness and connection with one another. Hmm? I'm not talking about taking on guilt because we don't have that all worked out formally. Uh, but I'll say that that ought to be a priority for us. That's a part of the way we see who He is and, again, who we are in Him is when we, we spend time with, with one another and it can be a bit 
costly and it can be a bit hard, but it's the action of the kingdom. Relationship. God action. We said a couple of weeks ago, Jesus was motivated to take action. He didn't just love us. He stepped into the scene. He took action. And then while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then let me finish with this last point. The truth of Philippians 3 is ultimately a matter of pressing on. Paul said it this way. I told you earlier, it was kind of my favorite in this passage, but he said this in the 14th verse. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And then back up a step to verse 12 where he said, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now my question for you would be this. Do you know for what Christ Jesus took hold of you? Do you remember the day? When was the last time God captivated your heart? Not even only, certainly the moment of salvation for you. Maybe, maybe for you that was when, when you were a little girl, right? I was five, but I was somewhat captivated. I'll tell you that. I remember that day. I remember that prayer. But if that were the only time that I were ever captivated with the, the heart of God or the, the person of Jesus Christ, then I don't think that that would sustain me in this vision and growth and journey. But consistently knowing that there's a place where Jesus Christ takes hold of me. I think one of my favorite old hymns is just, Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Right? Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought by day or by night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence, my life. Riches I seek not, or man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance now and always. Thou and thou only first in my heart. High King of heaven. My treasure thou art. When was the last time God just took hold? Paul remembered. In fact, Paul never forgot what was his day of redemption on the road to Damascus in Acts 26 when he was fairly close to being shipped off to Rome. Paul said to King Agrippa, he recounted the testimony. He told the story and he said, Then the Lord spoke to me and said, Rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to anoint you as a servant and a witness to the things which you have seen in me and to those which I will yet reveal. See that part? To those that I will yet reveal to you. You see, God spoke to me and said, Okay. Because you remember Paul's response when he saw Jesus on the road? He said, uh, what would you have me do? What a great response. I've said to you before that in that moment, what a testimony to the grace that we see in the face of Jesus Christ. Because you would have thought that his response would have been, dear God, 
I've been killing people who spoke truth about you. Let me hide myself from you. But in that moment of revelation, his greatest realization was grace. Because he said, what would you have me do? And this was what Jesus said back to him. And then in Acts 26 and 19, Paul said, so, King Agrippa, just shortly after that, I did not prove disobedient to the, to the heavenly vision. Wow. There was a guy who gave the church great grief. But at the end of it, he could say, I did not fail to follow. I didn't uh, cease to surrender. I didn't fail to continue. I was. I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision. I'm sure of this, that the plans that God has for us Okay, in January 2011 or 2011, however you want to lay it out. I'm, I'm kind of in a six-month mode right now. I'm going up to May. In fact, it's been fun around here with corporate vision. I thought I saw BJ. I did, I did saw BJ. We've been having some fun. We'll, we'll get to discuss some of that tonight, Tom, at elders meeting. It'll be fun. We've been just letting the Lord just continue to redefine us. Are you willing to do that? We just stay in that place where we say, God, I don't want to become rigid. I, I want to be God. I, again, let's say it this way. Can I not do to you as the clay in the hand of the potter? I used to, the benediction to all of my letters used to be living at the potter's house. Karen used to sing a song in worship. Yes, Karen was at one time the worship leader. Well-known fact. Just putting that out there. I said, Karen used to be the worship leader. Maybe we should set her up sometime, toss her an alley-oop. This will cost me dearly. You know, you sing beautifully. Just say she used to sing a song um, The Hand of the Potter remember that? that's a good song wouldn't that be a great place to live the potter's house just be flexible to what God wants to do in us it's a great place to put your heart in the hands of he who formed you what if we lived there what would that look like? I mean would it would it be being consistent in prayer? I think so. That would be a great way to maintain some focus. Not out of duty. Some diligence, though. Okay? Grace provides resolve. Anybody feel me right now? I'm going, I'm trying to get to the application for you. What's the application of today's word? One thing I do. One thing I do. Action. Paul said, one thing not I just dream about. Not one thing I consider is worth doing, but never get done. Paul said it, it, it moved him to action, the focus, the direction. And it meant, though, that to do that took some pressing in, man. It was, 
Whew. Sometimes it just wasn't the thing that he wanted to do, the thing that was easy to do, but he pressed into that anyway. But it would look like sometime, I think, with the journal. I think that would be great. I would suggest maybe, yeah, I mean, you can get a journal for a buck or two. Really cool looking ones. I was going to show you one, but I guess it's not in my bag. Just over at Barnes & Noble. But just pick something up and maybe jot down. Well, I don't write. I'm not really. Well, got a new idea for you then. Maybe give that a shot. Or, or, or it's, it's intentional conversations with friends and fellow God followers about what's going on. And trying to hear the Lord and what the Lord is saying. But it's a point of focus. Listen, if Christianity is a hobby, you're missing it. and the best part of what it means to be a believer. One thing I do, getting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead, I press on toward the mark of the hawk all of God in Christ Jesus. I press toward that thing to hold on, to capture that thing for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Yeah, we've been dreaming some dreams and making some visions around here. For, for instance, in our staff team, we've, we've made a plan that for the first six months of this year, we're gonna, our teaching is going to be ordered by the stories and parables of Jesus. So we're about to go on a journey. Story time. We're just going to teach what Jesus taught. It's not the only thing to do. It's just the vision he gave us for this season. What's God saying to you? I'm sure he's saying something. Allison, Susanna Wesley had 17 kids. That's pretty challenging to have quiet time with 17 kids. She wrote in, a, or her son wrote of her in one of his books that she used to take her apron and pull it over her face so she could have quiet time. Kind of wonder what happened to the kids. Oh, I remember now. They grew up to change the world. Just saying. Lord, I pray you'd help us this season of life, whatever that season is for us, to make you the one thing that we do. I pray no matter what else is going on in our lives that the one thing we do is you. God, and that if we have to strain or press, that there'll be grace for that. And that the reward will be deep and meaningful relationship. And in that relationship, God, I pray your word be true. That in that relationship, we'll find all the revelation we need. Now bless this people as we grow and dream and live in this God journey. In Jesus' name, amen.